I want to uh, start with a video clip. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it, but we'll talk a little bit about it after the fact. Uh, it just happened this last week in New York State after the snowstorm, and some computer, commuters were waiting in a train stop, and they weren't necessarily paying attention. So watch it. It's actually going to do it twice, once in real time, and then it's going to do it in slow motion so you can just appreciate it in all its wonder. So... Notice this woman in the white hat is paying attention to her phone. And I don't think she's taking pictures. I think if you were, we enjoy watching that. But if you were one of the people on that platform, you probably at least in our age today, would be saying, whose fault is that? I mean, you know, that train shouldn't have been going so fast. Or someone should have plowed the tracks. If you notice, actually, the platform was plowed where the rails were was higher than the platform. It was a lot of snow. Why wasn't that plowed? Or somebody should have had a warning sign up. Um... Probably what a lot of those folks weren't saying is, I should have been paying attention. And that brings us to uh, something we want to talk about today, and that is whose fault is stuff? When it happens to us, and what do we do about it? We live in an age when, when things go wrong, we tend to look for somebody else to blame. That's just a part of our culture right now. And so when things go wrong, we have our list of candidates who are responsible, who we can blame. And the one person we seldom look at is ourselves. Uh, why did you do this to me? Why did my boss do this to me? Why did those people do this, whoever those people are? Why did the government do this? Why did my teacher do this? Why did the school do this to me? And maybe not often enough do we say, what was I thinking? We come to a most interesting chapter in the book of Daniel in chapter 9. We have seen in the first six chapters a lot of the history uh, and what was happening, some visions that came, dreams that Daniel used. We've seen lions, we've seen a fiery furnace. We saw a lot of history. And then we saw a dream last week. But this chapter 9 is really a very interesting chapter because it's really all about Daniel's prayer. And why he prayed it and the results of that prayer. Daniel discovered something as he was praying, as he was reading Scripture. Not praying, as he was reading Scripture. 
And at this point, Darius is now in control. So Daniel has been in what was Babylon for long enough. He's seen several Babylonian kings come and go. And often they went because they sinned. They disregarded God and the consequences were they were replaced. And he saw the last Babylonian king replaced by the Persians for the same reasons. And it would be easy for Daniel at that point to watch these kings come and go and sort of realize, well, they're pagans, they didn't believe in God, what, what can you expect? The problem is, Daniel was reading the Bible. And I, and I, and I love that piece of this whole story as it begins in chapter 9. Here is Daniel, this great man of God. And what's he doing? Reading his Bible. And he's reading the prophet Jeremiah. And as he's reading the prophet Jeremiah, he says that right in the prayer, he realized something. Something not about the Babylonians, but about Israel. I want to read from Jeremiah 8, verses 5 and 6. This is God speaking, and this is Maybe what Daniel was reading, he doesn't tell us the chapter in reference because they didn't exist back then. That was a printer who added chapters and verses. But maybe this is what he was reading from Jeremiah. God says, why then have these people turned away? Israel, his people. Why have my own people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit. They refuse to return. Listen, God is saying, I have listened attentively. I'm paying attention. I'm waiting for them. But they do not say what is right. None of them repent of their wickedness. None of them come to me and say, what have I done? Each of them pursues their own course like a horse charging into battle. Daniel read enough of Jeremiah to realize that the fate of Israel was very similar to the fate of Babylon. Babylon had been destroyed because they sinned. They disregarded God. And now here was Daniel as a part of Israel, but what had Daniel seen? Israel destroyed, and Israel now as slaves and captives in Babylon and now Persia. Why? Because Israel had sinned. They had made the same mistake Babylon had made. And so what does Daniel do out of that? He prays. He does the very thing God had said in Jeremiah. I'm listening, but they're not praying. I'm listening, but they're not coming to me saying, we did wrong, we're sorry. So I think it's fascinating that Daniel says, I'm going to do what Israel has not been doing. The very thing God and Jeremiah said, I'm waiting, I'm listening, but nobody's coming to me saying, we did wrong, God. And so in Daniel 9, we have his prayer. He does the very thing the prophet God says in the prophet Jeremiah, I'm waiting, I'm listening, but nobody's praying. So, let's start in verse 4 of Daniel chapter 9. So Daniel had, the first three verses, he says what he's done and why, and this is just prayer. 
Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Please capture that. We're going to keep reading, but he says right up front, God, you're righteous. You do what's right if your people do what's right. The problem isn't you, God. Then verse 5, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far in all the countries where you have scattered us, because of our unfaithfulness to you. Now hold your finger there. We're going to go back to nine some more. But notice what Daniel is confessing to God. God, you're not the problem. You're righteous. You're fair. You're always consistent. You never turn on us wrongly. The problem is us, God. We've done wrong. We have offended you. We have ignored you. We're the problem. It's our fault. It's sort of a shocking prayer. It's a humbling prayer. But I think it's a prayer that makes us ask a question. Do we ever pray like Daniel? Do we ever have our prayer like that to God from Daniel 9? I suspect that a lot of us, our prayers are more about, God, have you seen how bad I've got it right now? Have you seen what's happening in my life? Or sometimes it even goes beyond that to some anger at the people who've done this stuff in our life. And God, have you seen what that guy did? Have you seen my, what my boss is demanding of me? And it may even creep a little bit in, God, would you mind getting them? I mean, you know, just make them suffer. Or remove them? We get into a little bit of that. Or, or we jump to God, would you please fix this? Do you see what I'm going through, God? Will you please come and fix it? Heal it, change it, remove it, open a new door, change something in my situation. But the prayer that is often missing is this prayer of Daniel. God, I'm sorry. I made a wrong choice. I did the wrong thing. I didn't listen to you. I went off on my own. I let my desires control me. I quit thinking. I quit listening to your word. Satan put a temptation in front of me and I walked right into his trap. I did it. That's a painful prayer, isn't it? Maybe that's why we don't do it often. But do we need to do it more often? Do you see how quiet the room got? Now, I want to give a disclaimer, okay? And I went into this sermon with great hesitation. 
my disclaimer is this. Some of you should be sitting there saying, now wait a minute, Jim. It's not always our fault. We're not always to blame. And you're exactly right. It's not always our fault. The problem that I see is most of us struggle to hit that healthy balance. Can I call it that? Where sometimes it is our fault. And sometimes we need to face that honestly. And make that our first prayer that says, I need to start, God, by admitting to you I've blown it. But sometimes it's not our fault. And sometimes it is somebody else. It is circumstances in life. It is a broken world. It's all kinds of other reasons. Our struggle is to find that balance. Because it seems like we tend to be one or the other extremes. We either never honestly evaluate our own lives and say, Did I blow it here? Am I the problem? And if we're not that way, then we go to the other extreme and everything is my fault. Of course I did it. And I did everything. And it's always my fault. And we take way more on ourselves than we should. And that's not what I'm advocating at all. I think the challenge that Daniel 9 gives us is do we try and seek that honest balance that evaluates and says, is there something I need to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. Or are there other times when the struggles in my life are caused by some other person or situation and I need to ask God to help me carry this burden? Because while I didn't cause it, I have to live with it. And it's very difficult. And I go to God and I ask for that help. You see, both extremes are wrong, but that middle is what I want to challenge us to look for in our lives. Partially because we have to deal with the reality that consequences are not optional. I think sometimes, especially as Christians, more than with Daniel's age in the Old Testament, because of Jesus, and we sang right before this sermon, marvelous grace, and it is marvelous. And we have a God of mercy, and we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Daniel knows that. But God's grace does not always remove from us having to live through the consequences of choices we've made. And that's a reality we have to face. Daniel had to face that. That there were things they were experiencing because they hadn't listened. Go back to chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Daniel says, All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. That's what they'd done wrong. Look at the consequences. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. Before we read verse 12, just pause for a second. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you go back and read the Old Testament, especially Matthew, I mean, Matthew <laughs> Genesis, Exodus, De Deuteronomy, God is way up front. He repeatedly says, now, here's the deal. 
if you listen to me, I'm going to do this and this and this, and you're going to be blessed and all this good stuff. But I want to warn you, if you don't, if you disregard me, if you walk away from me, this and this and this and this is going to happen and you're not going to like it. And God says that again and again and again. And Daniel recognizes that. And what's he say right here in his prayer? God, I know you're just doing what you said you were going to do. You're not making this up. You're not adding to anything. You warned us in advance. And all you're doing is the consequences you warned us we would experience. Verse 12. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. That's how bad it had gotten for Israel. But Daniel knows they have no one to blame by themselves because of the consequences of their actions. Now, one of the things I want you to realize is this kind of praying where we go to God and we're honest about what we have done wrong, if that's the case. There are actually good things about that. Benefits of taking personal responsibility. Benefits of praying like Daniel. It's a learning process. And going to God and realizing we've done wrong and admitting that helps us learn to not do it again. It's that old thing, how many times you got to hit your thumb with a hammer before you say there's got to be a better way to nail. So one of the things that happens to us when we face our wrongdoing and go to God and admit that, it helps us learn and avoid doing it again. But beyond that, it also helps restore our relationship with God. I find that picture in Jeremiah fascinating where God is saying, I'm listening, I've been waiting for them to come and talk to me and admit they've done wrong. God always wants to restore our relationship with Him. But you and I both know in any even human relationship, if there's something wrong between us, what's the best way to resolve that? Get it out in the open and deal with it. Talk about it. And what's the best way for it not to be resolved? Is it's the one thing we don't talk about. We, we're masters of that in families, aren't we? You know, we joke about the 600-pound gorilla in the middle of the room. What Uncle so-and-so did last Christmas, but nobody wants to talk about it. Or what my wife did or I did to her, and nobody wants to talk about it. But it never gets resolved that way, does it? Well, that's no different than our relationship with God. The picture in Jeremiah says God's waiting. He wants to talk about it. But he's waiting for us to come to talk to him. And I think that's one of the real challenges for us. Will we go? Will we go to God so that that relationship can be healed? It can be restored. We can find out that God is there waiting to meet us because God wants to restore that relationship more than we do. See, the beauty of it, it's the way we find forgiveness. When we go to God, for us to experience forgiveness and to feel forgiven, please hear this. 
the way to feel forgiven and experience forgiveness is to go to God and meet Him and talk with Him. Because it's in that moment, when it's out in the open, God, I've done wrong, we begin to understand just how much of a forgiving God we have. Verses 17 and 18 of Daniel 9. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look, on, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we're righteous, because we deserve it. We make requests because of your great mercy. Daniel says, I have no reason, no right to come to you and ask for forgiveness because we deserve it. Or we've done enough good deeds. We've paid for our sins. None of that. He says, the only reason I have a hope to come to you and ask for help and mercy is because you are a God of mercy. And that's what we find when we go to God. And a lot of times, this is one of the... Weapons of Satan. I hear so many people say this to me. I feel it myself. We do something really wrong, and what does Satan whisper in our ear? God doesn't even want to talk to you. And we stay away from church. We quit praying. We quit reading the Bible. Because somewhere buried in our head is this image that I have done such wrong, God isn't interested in me anymore. And that is a lie of Satan. Please hear that. Burn that into your forehead. That is a lie of Satan. We have a God who loves us, who loves you. You are his child. You are in his image. He is a God of mercy. And the God of the picture in Jeremiah where he says, I'm listening, I'm waiting for you to come. I want to talk with you. Daniel says, that's the only reason I have a chance in coming to you with this prayer. I'm counting on you still being that God of mercy. And he was and he is for us. God answers Daniel's prayer. Verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, he hadn't even said amen yet. Confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, Jerusalem, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, the archangel Gabriel, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out from God, which I have come to tell you. Do you think prayer is important? Read verse 23 again. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you. What did we read in Jeremiah? God said, I am waiting, listening. If they'll just come talk to me. Daniel's experience was as soon as I started talking back to God. 
the answer was on its way. Isn't that amazing? I just think, wow. Is prayer important? Should we go talk to God? Daniel would say, yeah, yeah, you should. Really, honest, right now. Quick. As soon as I started praying, the angel Gabriel was sent from heaven to bring me the answer. God is a God of mercy. God wanted to help Israel. He was waiting for them to come and confess. And that's what Daniel did. Prayer was the key. Now, if you read the rest of the chapter, and some of you are going to get real frustrated because we're not going to do a Bible study the second half of nine. But the basic message, the answer that Gabriel brings him is, Daniel, heads up, some, this is what's still going to have to happen. So God's answer, he doesn't fix it right away, which is probably what Daniel was wanting. But he does say, I am going to fix it. I am going to answer your prayer, but these things have to happen first. And it's going to take some time for these things to happen. But I am going to move. And Israel is going to be restored. And my holy hill is going to be restored. Your prayer is going to be answered, Daniel. And that's what I want you to know. And as soon as Daniel prayed, God sent the answer to him. The message that Daniel experienced and the message for us today is we have, we have a God who wants to forgive. We have, as Daniel said, a God of mercy who wants to forgive. What do we have as Christians? God demonstrates. God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the great good news we have as Christians. If we ever doubt, does God still love us? Would God forgive me? Would God forgive you? Does God still want to hear from you? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. God has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt the depth of His love for us by asking Christ to go to the cross and die before we earned it, before we came and said, please God forgive us, before any of that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How does God feel about us? We know. Is he still the God of Jeremiah who says, I'm waiting, I'm paying attention. I'm just hoping you'll come talk to me. Because I am a forgiving God of mercy. That's why we have delayed communion. Because I wanted us to each have the chance to meet with God. And maybe for you in your life, it needs to be some time where you come to God and say, God, I need to be honest. I'm sorry. I did something. I said something. I made a choice. Whatever that might be, this is a perfect time for you. 
God has proven to you in the death of Christ, He loves you. He is a God of mercy. Talk with Him. Come and take communion. And understand, experience the mercy of God. As you taste that bread that is Jesus' body, terribly broken for you. As you drink that juice that reminds us of Christ's blood in just a few weeks that will be shed for us. It is a perfect time to meet with God and to experience this God of mercy. We're going to partake differently. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a song. At the end of the song, you're invited. There are four stations across the front here. After the song, Brian is also going to come and take a tray. And if you're not able to come forward or don't wish to, if you'll just raise your arm, Brian will bring you a tray right where you are, okay? But let me pray now, and then we're going to sing and have a time to meet with this God of mercy. Let's pray. Father, we are so glad, so grateful that you are a God of mercy. Because we're just like Israel. We don't always do right. We need your forgiveness. I thank you for the example of Daniel who was not afraid to humble himself and say, God, you're righteous, we're not. Father, I pray that every person here might experience your forgiveness today, might meet with you and realize that you really are a God of mercy if we will just humbly come to you. Thank you so much for Jesus' death for us. In his name.